0: So the big question is this. What would you do if money didn't matter? Say you had millions in your bank account. What would you focus on? Would you spend more time with your family, with your wife, with your kids? Take family vacations? Would you pursue your gifts and talents and dreams? Serve your local community. Teach others. Serve your church community. You see... If what you would do if money didn't matter is pursue your gifts and talents and dreams to serve others, then that is probably what you should be doing. The problem is most people are in the rat race living five inches in front of their face with no time to pursue what they were born to do. That is the problem, and the solution is to develop enough passive income to replace your working income so you can quit your job and be free to live your life the way you were created to. That is the solution, and this podcast will show you how. All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Cashflow Dad Life Podcast. We've got uh, a really special guest on today. He is the great American entrepreneur. He's one of the original sharks from Shark Tank, a show that I love dearly. Uh, his companies have generated over five billion in sales. He's had twenty companies do over a hundred million. He's considered the entrepreneur's entrepreneur. Uh, welcome to the show, Kevin Harrington. Really appreciate you being here.
1: Super to be here. It's a beautiful day and looking forward to, to hanging out with you.
0: Awesome. Well, my first question is, you know, were you a born entrepreneur or uh, was this something that you developed over time? It's always
1: a good question. I believe I'll, I'll say this. Uh, I was very lucky to be you know I had a, a, one of six kids, and by the time I'm number four, by the time he got to me, um, my father was, was a bartender who saved up some money to open up his own bar, right? But, okay. but he was an entrepreneur, and, hey, Harrington's Irish Pub was a, was a cool place for me to hang out when I was a kid. Uh, so I started working for him in his restaurants when I was 11 years old. And little did I know, but he was going to be kind of pushing me down that path of entrepreneurship, right? Now, my mom came from a banking family, so her father was, you know, was in, she's like, oh no, I want you to be a banker, a lawyer, or an accountant, or, you know, maybe a doctor. And so, you know, she wanted me to be, you know, full, you know, uh, all college, four years, et cetera. But make a long story short, I had, you know, again, two older sisters, one married a doctor, one married a lawyer. So I got that out of the way from the corporate side and my older brother who's in the corporate world also. So I could be the entrepreneur. But I, 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 I say that I believe people can be taught how to be an entrepreneur. I was fortunate. My dad was teaching me, so I had a great mentor. Uh, but I don't believe everybody needs that necessarily. At 11 years old, I believe you. you know today's world it's there's so many opportunities out there. It's the gig economy and Uber drivers are picking up some extra money, you know, on the weekends. And I just believe that it's a more entrepreneurial world today. And I, and I think it's the, the, the world is out there waiting for all of us to that want to be entrepreneurs to take the shot.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. Now, you said uh, previously that you spent the first 30 years of your life trying to figure out what you wanted to do. Um, but just kind of being a serial entrepreneur all, all the way, yeah. and then uh, and then the next thirty years you spent as the uh, as seen on TV guy. How did how did that develop and morph over time uh, to where you spent that big chunk of your life as as seen on TV?
1: So it, I, the first thirty years, it was funny. You know, I, I mentioned at eleven, I'm working for my dad in his restaurants. At fifteen. I started a driveway sealing business to make some money during the summers. And when I, my first year of college, I started a heating and air conditioning business because I needed something year round heating right. and air conditioning. Right. right. So um, then I started a business brokerage company selling businesses, which was very entrepreneurial because I had hundreds of businesses for sale. I got a chance to list, companies see their books and records. I had 200 companies for sale at one time, so I got to see the books and records of restaurants, laundromats, flower shops, delicatessens, etc., and an inner working of all these different businesses. Then I started the infomercial world, and that was at the end. I was 28, you know, I say my first 30 years. I just got started doing infomercials at the end of that first 30 years. Then I uncovered this amazing space of finding a product, putting it on TV, and blasting it until we created amazing success and sales and profits. So I started, you know, once I got on TV, we were doing kitchen products, then fitness products, then golf, then fishing, then beauty, then, you know, everything. So, and then we found if it worked in the US, hey, well, I wonder if it'll work in Europe, in Asia, in Latin America, in the Middle East. So we started th- down the path in 1990. I said, "Let me go into all these markets around the world." That created an unbelievable multi-billion-dollar business for me, many others, and and th- became the Essendon in TV Infomercial Global Space. So 30 years of that was very powerful, creating relationships with guys like Tony Little, Jack LaLanne in the juicer, George Foreman. We did Kim Kardashian's first infomercial, The Hilton Family. You know, modern day, I mean, Flo Rida, 50 Cent, you name yeah. it. We've been involved in a lot of really cool products for many, many, many years now. But, you know, that kind of takes me up through uh, my, you know, current, you know, I'm, I'm in my 60s now. So I got right. you know, th- my first 30 years out of the way, my next 30 years out of the way. Now I, I, God bless, I hope I got another 30 years left. So you know, that would be nice.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> so do you, do you have any, um, like entrepreneurship and starting all these companies that kind of requires a lot of you? And that's, it's something that's really rewarding because you wake up every day doing what you love and it feels good. So a lot of people it's great to make that switch from whatever they're doing before working in corporate America to becoming an entrepreneur. But what about passive income strategies? Do you, do you have some of your favorite, uh, passive income strategy? I mean, obviously investing in businesses, but, um, but what are some that you're using right now?
1: Very, very good question. I think, you know, w- one of the challenges that entrepreneurs get themselves into is the, such a passion and dedication to, their business, their life. Sometimes they have blinders on. And I'll take, you know, the blame for some of that along the way because it's, you know, it's like, oh, you need to focus on what your 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 strengths are, et cetera, et cetera. So for years, th- that was my focus was the space that I was in, the S C and TV space, launching products, et cetera. And in hindsight, you know, I had friends that would say, hey, look, Kevin, you should be, you know, get involved in real estate and do some of this and do some of that. And, and so finally, I realized as the world of TV started, you know, here I was this as seen on TV pioneer, but TV viewership was dropping at rapid rates. 50% decline in television viewership in the last 10 years. So, I mean, look, you know, companies like Disney, Are diversifying. They they just launched Disney Plus, a streaming service, because ABC, they own Disney owns ABC and ESPN. Their viewership is dropping. Well, what is a guy like me gonna do? I've diversified now. I'm I sit on public company boards, I'm invested in dozens of different companies and industries. And and this was it took actually almost seeing a meltdown in front of me. Before I finally realized, okay, you got to start diversifying, and and as, as you mentioned, mentioned passive income, it's I always I believe that the earlier that somebody tunes into getting other income streams, passive income streams, whatever it might be, it's it's so powerful to kind of put you at ease in your world because if 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 everything is built on this one enterprise. And I say, it's my world of S E and TV was sort of a bell-shaped curve. It would go up, and then it would go down. But when you're here, what do you do? Well, you got to have these other multiple streams of passive incomes, et cetera. So I, I believe I've got dozens of significant income streams, advising, consulting, sitting on boards, investing in companies. And this is really what has rounded me off as, as a well-rounded entrepreneur now, having many ventures as opposed to just that as seen on TV space that I was in.
0: Do you see anything replacing or like with obviously TV viewership has gone down because of computers and internet and all that stuff, Um, YouTube, apps on your phone. Um, Do you see any sort of replacement for the as seen on TV type niche within the internet world? Like, you know, do you see webinars as kind of replacing that or- um, are there other niches in that in that space? So,
1: I mean, look, this is how I look at it. Um, I used to run millions of dollars a week in media on TV, cable, um, you know, kind of old media, some newspaper, magazines, etc. But mostly television. Now, as as the viewership has dropped, you say, "Oh, well, where did those eyeballs go?" Okay, you right. started to. Oh, they went. the internet they went to youtube well they went to facebook they went to instagram they went to you know um you know pinterest etc so what we do now is we focus our testing areas on these internet platforms like facebook like instagram like youtube pinterest etc and we partner we test we do a lot of things in, you know, I mean, look, they're, they're watching Netflix instead of TV. Netflix is a little bit tougher to get to, but certainly they're spending hours and hours a day on Facebook and, and Instagram. So that's where that's kind of replacing the i seen TV eyeballs. We still do a little bit of TV, but we, we ultimately focus on getting to the eyeballs where they are. And this would be, you know, social media channels is, I think, the big replacement for TV right now.
0: Do you think that the strategy has changed any? Because infomercials, I mean, what were those? Sometimes 30 minutes, an hour long, sometimes. Um, Do you see, see, I mean, I I assume the attention spans and capturing someone's attention, scrolling through Facebook is, you know, a little shorter. I'm I'm sure you're not running 30 minute, you know, infomercials on Facebook.
1: Yeah, yeah, we had to. So not only have we had to focus on a different audience, but we've also had to learn a new way of selling because, First of all, we we were the pioneers of, of taking a Tony Little and this four or five hundred dollar gazelle fitness thing that he was gonna sell and creating a 30-minute infomercial out of that, buying the time on TV. That worked. Okay. Now you can't just take that and put it on Facebook because people aren't gonna watch a 30-minute video on Facebook. So it's we've had to, we've got much shorter selling. Instead of selling something, it might be lead generation because, hey, is someone going to buy a $400 fitness product in 30 seconds on Facebook? No. What you're going to do is do a lead magnet, get their attention, send them through a funnel, send them to some, you know, through some video processes, et cetera. But it's, it also, it's not as much of a hard sell like it used to be. It's a little more of a, kind of an authentic style of selling so in the old days it was really kind of hey you have this problem we're going to solve it with this product stay tuned and here it is and it was hard sell hard sell hard sell the authentic audience on facebook they don't want that hard sell if they sense it they run so we actually found that if we use the same selling techniques from infomercial on Facebook that we alienated the audience. So we had, to, we had to do more authentic selling, more like letting people explore these products that maybe they heard about this, you know, hey, I, I just heard about this product. Let's explore it together. And now they go maybe to a site or maybe they say they've ordered it and, they, and it just arrived and they're going to open it and see, let's explore opening this product together. And oh, here's the the box is open and now I'm going to use it for the first time. And these are the different ways of selling is this authentic style. So yes, yeah. different lengths, different styles. It's a whole different world out there. And we've, we, we're, we're learning every single day how to deal in this new world. So absolutely. Good, good questions.
0: That's that, that's great that you have, you have that ability to adapt because a lot of people stay, you know, kind of stuck in this one way it's been working for so long and then, you know, the world is adapting, so you have to adapt with it. Exactly. So you you uh, have said uh, in previous interviews that you've kind of um, had to walk around knocking on doors to sell AC or, or different services when you were a kid. Um, were all those skills that you just learned from doing, or besides your father, did you have any mentors that really helped you? Because selling is probably the entrepreneur's greatest skill, wouldn't you say?
1: Mm, yeah. So... Uh, my father was was a, was good at helping me g- get me kind of excited about doing things. I, I, I'll, I'll never forget the first significant book I bought was uh, Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich. I think I was fifteen, and it really just motivated me to want to do all the things that were in my head. Right? It's like it made me say to myself, you know, if you can, you know, um, if you can believe. Uh, and, and, and let's see, if you can believe, uh, you can achieve. And I, I forget exactly how that goes, but there's another gentleman, Paul J. Myers, that says, whatever you vividly imagine, ardently desire, sincerely believe, and enthusiastically act upon, must inevitably come to pass. So I started reading books. I started reading Zig Ziglar. Zig came out with his book, Secrets of Closing the Sale in in 1984, and so that was an amazing book on selling and creating value stacks and things like that. But I also I, I had a, a mentor when when I started. I was 16 years old and I was selling in-home um, safety high chairs. And this is I I, I got to say it was unbelievable. See, I had a, a, a thirst for knowledge. And so I wanted to get a sales job while I was in in school because I had the the driveway sealing business in the summer, but I wanted to sell during the winter. So I read an ad, went in, and this guy taught me how to sell these $300 safety high chairs to people that were just having their first baby. Now, this is back in the 70s. So a $300 high chair in today's, that would be over $1,000 today. Wow very expensive, but it was used in hospitals. But this guy was a master salesman. He could close. He was a one call closer. And he taught me how to handle objections. He went with me on sales calls, literally taught me how to sell. And so between Napoleon Hill, Zig Ziglar, this gentleman named Bruce that taught me how to sell safety, high chairs, and I was knocking on doors, the driveway ceiling, heating and air conditioning, all of that all together. I, I really, it was not just learning from a textbook, it was then doing it and seeing these principles work. It, it was really powerful. And by the time I turned 18, I was, a, I, was a pretty good, um, I was a pretty good rock star salesman, I would say. I was very, very polished at that point as a young kid.
0: Yeah. So you had that one-two punch of just having that thirst for knowledge and reading about it, and then going out and, and failing and taking action and just, you know, and, and succeeding and then building on, on on that experience.
1: I'll never forget the first 20 doors that I knocked on when I was doing driveway sealing is everybody kind of like, nope, nope. Many were a little rude. Some were, you know, feeling for me, this 15-year-old kid. Right. On the bicycle knocking on the door. But what I didn't realize there's techniques to selling. And so, you know, one guy's like, no, I'm not, I'm not interested in whatever it is you're selling. It's like, if somebody so quick can say no, and they don't even know what it is. I, I learned how to deal with that and understand that that was the person that I was going to sell. Cause that was a challenge. Now you can tell me so quick without even knowing. So, I mean, just one quick technique, I grabbed that guy that said, no, I'm not interested in whatever you have. To say. I said, I understand, sir, exactly. I don't want to bother you, but let me just show you one thing. Come here. See that crack there? There's, when water gets in, in there in the winter and it freezes, it's going to triple the size of that crack. So someday when you have time, I'd like to come back and tell you how I can solve that problem and fill those cracks for you. I was like, oh, wait a minute. What, what are you talking about? Hey, I didn't know about the cracks. And wait a minute! Can you come back in an hour? We're just in the middle of dinner, okay? Right. And then an hour later, there I am closing the sale. So, yeah. you know, it's get that you know, a no is an invitation to actually closing the deal if you know how to do it. So yeah. it's learning the techniques, putting it into practice.
0: Yeah, it's a lot of times people feel like you're coming to sell them something when you're actually coming to solve the problem for them. And once they realize that, then it becomes exactly. a lot easier.
1: That was Zig Ziglar's mentality. And, you know, it was like, you're, you're, you're not a, you know, a one call closer, you're a problem solver, right? That yeah. was, that was his mentality totally.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Can we talk about Shark Tank just briefly? At, you know, one of sure. my favorite shows, who is, uh, who is the favorite uh, person that you invest in? Maybe, maybe you're not allowed to say this on air, but uh, <laughs> I'd like to know.
1: You know, I actually had a couple different deals, I you know, I did a, a hundred and seventy some segments. There's five segments to one hour show. So I did 30 plus one hour shows. And so out of that, I did a couple of dozen deals um, and some of them did well, some of them didn't. But you know, like for example, this is a piece of jewelry that you can see. People that see this, oh wow, that's really cool. Well, hey, he came on Shark Tank, Aldo Orta, we got them on QVC and created a multi-million dollar business out of that. So, I mean, its I'm not a jewelry guy, but hey, I invested in jewelry. One of the other deals that I got involved with was, was a really cool product um, that is very bizarre. It's a cat toilet training product called City Kitty. And if you, if you watched early episodes of Shark Tank, this was on season, I think season two, and then it, it it's one of the most aired segments in the history of Shark Tank because it, I convinced the, the girl, Rebecca, to take my investment, which was a lower offer than Barbara made. So, so it got down to, to it and we said, okay, here's an offer from Barbara and here's an offer from Kevin. Barbara's offer is more cash for the same amount of equity. Kevin won't budge. Which of these are you gonna take? And I said to her, my offer will give you more return in the end because I am in the product business. So having less equity with me will give you even a higher profit when it's all said and done because I know what I'm doing. And she she went with me now barbara is great i love Barbara. she's she's i call barbara the sweetest shark and so i actually did get her on that one but um and that ended up doing over 10 million in sales this this cat toilet training product which is pretty bizarre but um it just it teaches cats how to jump on the toilet and go to the bathroom so you know in the movie we <laughs> they actually used the product to train the cats to jump on top of the toilet. Really, okay. Crazy product, yeah. We got it into Walgreens, end caps, et cetera. You know, it, it was, a you know, we got her on Good Morning America, the Today Show, The View, all these different talk shows, Wall Street Journal, it was amazing what, what happened with, with that one little item that just took off like crazy.
0: That's awesome. It's amazing how, if you solve such a little problem, how massive that can be when you're able to market it to a massive audience. But um, that's awesome. Um, So your new focus is kind of helping entrepreneurs and you've got a new book coming out or it's out already, uh, the KPI book. Can you tell us a little bit about that book and what that does? Yeah. yeah,
1: You know, so um, one of the things that, I go back a few years uh, when I I was sitting around and I was hanging out with Richard Branson down at his Necker Island. And Richard, you know, the the purpose of being there was to kind of just get some great ideas from this small little group of us. And Richard's like Kevin, he said, I've seen a lot of these infomercial things that you've done, this Tony Little and Jack LaLanne and, you know, George Foreman. And he said, but you created some amazing brands, but but to be honest with you, until I heard you were coming and, and I had to Google you and like do a lot of research, I never, I didn't know who you were. You never built your own brand. What's with all that? And I'm like, you know, you're right, Richard. I said, I focused on, you know, other brands building these other things. It's kind of like I'm behind the camera, never thought about getting in front of the camera. So I said, now it's time to write books, do podcasts, get in front of the camera, get on some talk shows, go do some speaking, trade shows, etc. Hey, Hey, this is how actually Shark Tank came about. This is before Shark Tank. I started writing books, getting out there and going on radio talk shows, going on TV shows, getting my profile, you know, of... Um, raising it basically, raising my profile. And so, as I was doing this, books, podcasts, raising my profile, who was paying attention at that time? Mark Burnett, who was looking for a shark. And he had people that were out tuning into trade shows and all this, and they, they called and said, hey Kevin, Mark Burnett would like to meet you because he's, he, we've seen all of this stuff that you're doing out in this marketplace. You're sort of a key person of influence In the world of products and as seen on tv so it was me deciding to go raise my profile become a key person of influence help build my brand position myself as a thought leader that got me the call to be on shark tank and then um and and then speaking and doing all these other things so it was that you know really the, the the direct concept of doing all these things that elevated me to actually get the call and then be featured on the show so i believe that becoming a key person of influence can be very very powerful i don't care if you're in real estate if you know hey wouldn't you like to get the phone call from the banks that have the best listings that are ready to to go into foreclosure but they want to call you to save this situation from happening, right? How do you become that, that phone call that they make when they when they need that help, right? And that's what becoming a key person of influence is all about. And I want to empower entrepreneurs to understand how they can do that in their own business and their own life right now. That's that's kind of my vision and my, my 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 time that I spend is helping entrepreneurs kind of empower themselves, build their brand, to become key people of influence in their industry.
0: Yeah, it's it's so important this day and age to become, you know, to have a personal brand, especially with the internet and all the social media and whatnot. Um, Yeah. It it opens so many doors like it opened for you. What would you say is the number one limiting belief that people have when it comes to being a key person of influence? I mean, a lot of people, in my opinion, they think, well, I I haven't really done anything or they kind of sell themselves short.
1: I believe this. Uh, One of the things that I tell people is that they need to build... What you know when people come on Shark Tank, they're looking for capital, yes, but they're also looking for sort of the Rolodex and the sharks. It's the beginning of building what I say a dream team. You know, if you could get a shark as one of your partners or on your dream team to help advise you, what could be so bad, right? I meet people all the time that are like stuck in their business and they're like, I don't know what to do, where to go, I don't have. I need advice. I need help. And I say, well, you got to go for the biggest and the best that you can get. Go, you know, like I had a guy that was in the business of selling products to the, to the government and APHIS. APHIS is a division down in Dallas that they they buy billions of dollars in products for people that are in the army and the Navy and in the government. They consume, you know, uh, toilet paper and consumables and water and stuff, right? And s- the government has a procurement agency that that buys for the individual members of the military. And so I said, what's the best way to supercharge a military style business? Well, I live in Tampa, Florida. McGill Air Force Base is here, Central Command. I said, there's a lot of retired generals in this area that are looking to be involved in businesses. And kind of give their advice and their connections to entrepreneurs. So I said, hey, I'm gonna join your board of advisors, but I'm gonna help you develop a board of advisors. Let's go get a general on this team. They're like, oh, well, are you sure you can get a general? I'm like, absolutely, you got, if you don't go for it, you're never gonna get it, right?" right? So this is the answer to your question. People sit all the time thinking, I can't do it. I don't have the money. Well, what do you do? go get a dream team go raise the capital help let like the dream team help you open doors to capital to money to people to deals and if you don't start somewhere it's never going to happen so you have yeah. got to take the steps get the you know the 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 knowledge and the confidence to go do it and sometimes that's all it is just having a little bit of extra confidence and that's what I try to instill in the entrepreneurial in the entrepreneurs that I deal with to help them go do that building of the dream team kind of thing.
0: That's beautiful, that's golden advice right there. So guys, if you want to get Kevin's book, it's uh, cashflowdadlife.com slash KPI, key person of influence, KPI. Uh, again, I'll say that link for you guys, cashflowdadlife.com slash KPI. It's so important to build a personal brand and the doors it opens for you is just incredible. Um, I, uh, I have, uh, all my life shied away from that. And here I am interviewing Harrington. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's important to start making the steps to do it. So, Hey, thank you so much. I know that you're, you're really busy and you got a lot going on, but, uh, you know, you took time out to come on the show and, and I really appreciate that. I'm very grateful for it and all the wisdom that you shared today.
1: You bet. And uh, Hey, I love your view there. Maybe you're going to do some fishing today. So hope you have some fun. <laughs> I, I live on the water and, yeah. um, I love, love hanging and, and look, so look forward to, to getting together in the near future. But good luck to you, and thanks, thanks for having me today. It was a pleasure to hang out with your friends and, and, and folks here, your fans
0: today. Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate it. Good deal. Thank you. Take care. Boom! Thanks for listening. Please remember to rate and subscribe. You're going to want to listen to every episode as soon as it comes out because each episode has an, an idea or a strategy that can literally change your life. And listen... Don't miss out on the free investor tools that I have for you on my website, cashflowdadlife.com. So go to cashflowdadlife.com and get your free swag. And listen, hit me up if you want to talk about how we can get you out of the rat race as soon as possible. Until next time, my name is Ryan Ank, and this was Cashflow Dad Life.